0: Dave and children and youth. Appreciate your participation this morning. Last, work, last week, I opened with an illustration of how, when I was a little boy, five or six years old, I would follow my father around. He was a farm manager of a large show farm. And um, there were times in which men would be out working in the fields that my father would have a message for, and he would send me with a message such as, Fred, come in uh, and help milk with the cows. And so I would go and I would deliver the message. And I said it was important that I was sent. And being sent meant that I would not come up with my own agenda, but I would deliver the message that my father had. And so we talked about the fact that Jesus is sent into this world as a mission, has a purpose, to do the will of the Father. But now, think about it. I was five or six years old. Why should these men have listened to me? Well, one looks at it and would say, well, because I said my father said you should do this or that. I came in my father's authority. That's really important. But I wonder if my dad would have just randomly picked any five or six-year-old child and said, go tell Fred to come in from the house, uh, in from the fields to help milk, what their response might be to another five- or six-year-old child. See, one of the key factors here was that I was his son. And so they knew that if I told them something that was wrong, I certainly was going to be held accountable. Uh, Certainly my father was going to deal with me. They, They had confidence not only because I said my father sent me, but because I indeed was my father's son. The thought this morning is that we need to listen to Jesus not only because God sent him, but because he was God's son. There used to be a commercial, those of you who are old enough to remember, uh, and uh, in that commercial it showed two individuals getting onto an extremely crowded, noisy elevator. And these two people kind of were able to scrunch in at the front And everyone else is talking and pushing around them. And the one man says to the other man, he says, my broker is E.F. Hutton. And as soon as he gets those words out, my broker is E.F. Hutton, suddenly the whole elevator becomes quiet. And now they are cupping their ear and they're leaning forward to hear what this person is going to say. And then the slogan for E.F. Hutton is, When E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. When E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. The idea was you wanted to go to E.F. Hutton for your, your investments because he is worth listening to. Well, this morning, the idea is when Jesus speaks, we should listen. When Jesus speaks, we should listen. And one of the reasons is because he is the son of God. Jesus is the incarnation of God, the second member of the Trinity. So in Galatians 4, 4 and 5, you don't need to turn there. My text is actually Hebrews 1. But in Galatians 4, 4 and 5, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent, that was last week, today, his son, And then the manner in which he was sent, born of a woman. That was the manner in which he was sent. He was sent into this world by means of the virgin birth. That incarnational birth of the Son of God taking on flesh is described in the book of Luke. So listen to these words. An angel came to Mary and said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary for you have found favor with god and behold you will conceive in your mouth and uh, excuse me behold you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and shall call his name jesus he will be great and he will be called son of the most high and the lord god will give him the throne of his father david and he will reign over the house of jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end and mary said to the angel how can this be since i'm a virgin And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. The Son of God. Now when we use that term, the Son of God, it does not mean that he is of less significance or importance Importance than God or that he is in any way a diminished God. Jehovah's Witnesses teach that Jesus is a God but not the true and uh, eternal God. He is a lesser God. They say that we misunderstand the term. However, The Jewish leaders in Jesus' day understood exactly what was meant when Jesus said that he was the Son of God. That's why they accused him of blasphemy. And John chapter 5 verse 18 says this, For this cause, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because he was not only breaking the Sabbath, but listen to these words, but also was calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. They understood it. They knew what he was claiming. He was saying that he was equal with the father. And that's what we mean when we use the term that he is the son of God. He is equal with with the father. Now there are two primary implications of the fact that God sent His Son. That's what you're emphasizing, His Son. There are two implications in the Scriptures about God sending His Son. The first is that since God sent His Son to die for us, then it must mean that God loves us a great deal. If God would send His own Son, His only begotten Son, then He must love us a great deal. John 3.16, For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. First John 4.9 By this the love of God was manifested in us. That God has sent his only begotten son into the world so we might live through him. So there's this consistent idea that if God would send his son because his son would be so precious to him. If God would send his son wow he must really love us. The second implication, and that is what I'm going to focus on this morning, is that if God sent his son to speak to us, then we certainly ought to listen to him. The parable that Pastor Dave used this morning, in that parable it says, but after he sent his son to them saying, they will respect my son. There was a thought that they may reject everything else, but Certainly, they're going to listen to my son. But the vineyard owners did not. The idea is that because God sent his son, we should listen to him. On the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus is glorified. And there is a voice that comes out of the clouds. Peter, James, and John are there to hear it. And it says... While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. That's the second implication. If God sent his son, then we should listen to him. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 1, I'm actually going to exegete this particular portion of Scripture. And the main thought of Ephesians 1, excuse me, Hebrews 1 and 2, is this. Since the people listened to the prophets and angels that spoke to them, how much more... Should we listen to the Son of God who speaks to us? If our forefathers listened to the prophets and the angels that were sent to them, how much more should we listen to the Son of God who is sent to us? So the first point is we should listen to Jesus because Jesus is God's Son and thus is superior to the prophets through whom God spoke and people listened. I mentioned that. Jesus was not the only one that was sent. The Son of God is not the only one that sent. I said that uh, John the Baptist was sent. Well, all the prophets, the true prophets, were sent by God. And God spoke through the prophets, and the people listened to the prophets. How much more should we listen to God speaking through his Son? Hebrews 1 1 and 2. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways. In these last days has spoken to us in his son. There are a number of contrasts in this verse between God speaking to the prophets and God speaking through his son. The prophets were less than ideal representatives of God, and yet people listened to them. Jesus uses as an example the person of Jonah Listen to what Jesus says to the Pharisees concerning Jonah Matthew 12:41 The men of Nineveh shall rise up with this generation at the judgment and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah and behold something greater than Jonah is here The Ninevites listened to Jonah Behold, a greater than Jonah is here. The Ninevites listen to Jonah despite Jonah's sinfulness. And the Ninevites listen to Jonah despite Jonah's callousness towards them. If you remember, Jonah is grieved and upset at thinking that the Ninevites are going to repent and be spared. In fact, he sits under a gourd and is angered as he waits for the repentance of the city of Nineveh. And with that kind of an example, and with that kind of callousness, it's amazing, it's the grace of God, that the people of Nineveh repented. Well, Jesus is superior to Jonah. Because he is the ideal representative of God. Look at verse 3. And he, that's the Son of God, is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. In John 1.14, starting with John 1.1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So this Word, the Son of God, was eternally existent. All things were made by him. John 1.14 says then, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, full of grace and truth. The grace is that he came with a supreme desire for people to be saved, so much so that he's going to give his own life. But in contrast to Jonah, who's sitting under a gourd and becoming angry at thinking about the people who are going to repent, Jesus, prior to the triumphal entry, as he's entering into Jerusalem, stops and looks over Jerusalem and weeps and says, How often I would have gathered you under my wings, but you would not. So here is Jesus Full of grace. Not only is he full of grace, but he's full of truth. He declares to us the whole counsel of God. And not only does he declare it, but he lives it. He is the way, he's the truth. He not only spoke truth, he lived truth. He modeled truth. And not truth in part, but in its entirety. In contrast, God spoke to the prophets in many different ways. In many different times. Sometimes through visions. Sometimes through angels. Sometimes through Urim and Thumb. He spoke in different ways. And he spoke in portions. But in contrast, Jesus comes full of truth. And now he declares the whole counsel of God. You know the, the amazing incident about Nineveh and Jonah. Is that when you read the book of Jonah. You discover that all that Jonah pronounced was the condemnation of Nineveh. That God was going to destroy it. Jonah never even mentioned repentance. Jonah never even offered them the olive branch, that if you repent, you can be spared this judgment. Nonetheless, the people repented. They believed the message. And they had hoped that somehow, in sackcloth and ashes, that they could be forgiven. And in fact, they were forgiven and yet they repented with only a part of the truth how much more should we listen to jesus who tells us the whole truth next the prophets did not have the accomplishments that jesus accomplished jesus said in matthew 12:42 the queen of the south shall rise up with this generation and, uh, at the judgment and shall condemn it because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. So here, are, here is the queen of Sheba who traveled great, great many miles to hear Solomon's wisdom. She had heard that Solomon was wise and she had heard that he had all this magnificence. He had a, an incredible palace. He had, had a great throne. Uh, He had an incredible kingdom. So she wanted to come and hear what Solomon had to say. She said in 1 Kings 10, 7, Nevertheless, I did not believe the reports until I came and my eyes had seen it. And behold, the half has not been told me. You exceed in wisdom and prosperity the report that I had heard. Well, if you look at Hebrews 1, 3, it says... He is the radiance of his glory, the exact representation of his nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he, had, uh, when he had made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus accomplished much more. B, or number two. We should listen to Jesus because Jesus is God's son, and thus he is superior to the angels through whom God spoke and people listened. Notice verse four have become as much better than the angels as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. So now there's going to be a contrast between Jesus and the angels. And the thought is the people listen to the message of the angels, how much more should they listen to the message of the Son? The angels are not God's Son as Jesus is, verse 5. For to which of the angels did he ever say, Thou art my Son, today I have begotten thee? What angel can claim that? None. None. They're all created beings. They're not the incarnate Son of God. Only Jesus can say that. The angels do not have the relationship to God that the Son has. Look at verse 5. For, for unto which angels do He ever say, Thou art my Son, today I've begotten thee? Or, again, I will be a father to him and he shall be a son to me. What angel can say that? The answer is none. The angels knew a lot about God. The angels were in the presence of God. But the angels were not the son of God. That is unique. The angels are not to be worshipped as Jesus is. Notice verse 6. And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, referring to Jesus Christ, he says, this is God's word, says, And let all the angels of God worship him. That is a a, a verse of scripture that you ought to circle right in front of your Bible. Whenever you hear a Jehovah's Witness say to you that you are blaspheming God by worshiping Jesus. You take him to this verse that says God said to worship him. The Father said worship him. This isn't what the church came up with, and this isn't even just what Jesus came up with. This is what the Father said. Worship Him. Of what angel did God ever say, worship that angel? And the answer, there is none. There is none. The angels are servants of God. And that's all they are. Verse 7, and of the angels, he says, who makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. They are servants. They are ministers. But Jesus reigns as God. Verse 8, but of the Son he says, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. God refers to him as God and of his kingdom and his rule. The Son of God, the second person of the Trinity that takes on flesh, was present at creation. Verse 10. And thou, Lord, in the beginning didst lay the foundation of the earth, and the heavens and the works are thy thy hands. He is distinct from creation. The angels are created. The Son of God is not created. Always existed. And then he took upon flesh. And so we sang this morning in Uh, are opening him, that he was not created, but begotten. The Son of God was not created. Verse 11. They will perish, referring to creation, but thou remainest. They will all become old as a garment, and as a mantle thou wilt roll them up. As a garment they also will be changed, but thou art the same, and thy years will not come to an end. The angels were servants and only servants to those who are to be saved. Hebrews 1, 13 and 14. But to which of the angels did he ever say, sit at my right hand until I make thy enemies a footstool for thy feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? They came to serve the people that are going to be saved. It is Jesus who reigns over his people and accomplishes their salvation. Go back to verse 3. And he is the radiance of his glory, the exact representation of his nature, upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purifications of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He didn't come simply to minister to those that were heirs of salvation. He came to actually accomplish the salvation. He came to die. He came to redeem, Galatians 4. When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. Thirdly, we should listen to Jesus, who is the Son of God, for he... For if the people were accountable for failing to listen to the prophets and the angels, how much more accountable will we be for not listening to Jesus? Look at Hebrews 2.1. For this reason, the reason being his superiority to the angels and the prophets, for this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, because God has spoke to us through his Son, lest we drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? If God was going to hold people accountable for listening to the prophets, even though the prophets were so sinful And such poor representatives. Regardless. If God is going to hold people accountable for listening to the prophets. And if God is going to hold people accountable for listening to the angels. Such as speaking to Mary. Such as speaking to uh, uh, Manoah. So many examples in the Old Testament. If God's going to hold people accountable for listening to angels. How much more is he going to hold us accountable? If we don't listen to the Son of God. That's the thought. That's the thought. Conclusion. God sent his son to redeem us and to make us his own. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. That was the message that he was sent with. That's what he proclaims. Now the question is, will you receive it or will you reject it? Will you heed it or you, will you discard it? God sent his own son to declare the truth and to accomplish the truth. And there will be a more severe judgment, the word of God says, For those in the day and age in which we live, with the increased knowledge and understanding that we possess, for failure to believe and trust in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, the people of Nineveh are going to rise up in judgment because they repented at the preaching of Noah. The Queen of Sheba is going to rise up in judgment. Because she came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Jonah is here. Behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Behold, greater than any prophet is here. Behold, greater than any angel that ever pronounced the message of God is here. He's the son. He's God in the flesh. This is my beloved son. Hear him. Let's pray. Our Father, help us to hear the Son of God this morning. I pray that there's anyone here who has never trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, that today would be the day that they would come to acknowledge that when Jesus Christ was sent into the world to save sinners, that included them, that they are indeed a sinner. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. To acknowledge the message of Jesus, that no man comes to the Father except through Jesus. That there is no salvation possible apart from trusting in him. Oh Lord, may we not reject that message, reject that person. Not only may we marvel this morning at the love of God to send his own son. But Lord, may we submit to think that God sent his own son to speak to us. The one who's the exact representative of the Father, the one who represents you completely and fully, the brightness of your glory, full of grace and truth, who comes not simply to serve but actually to accomplish us in our salvation. O oh Lord, may we hear that word this morning, and may we believe, and may you instil with us an ever-increasing faith and confidence that we would never question or shake in our adherence to Jesus, that we would not let anyone cast doubts on our worship of him. For it is you, O God, who told us to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.